I trust you found your place in the book of Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8 for the preaching of God's word. And I'll be reading from verse number 18 down to verse number 22. Matthew chapter 8, verse number 18. The Bible says, Now when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave commandment to depart unto the other side. And a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the ear have nests. But the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And another of his disciples said unto him, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said unto him, Follow me, and let the dead bury their dead. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for the great salvation that you've afforded to us, sending your Son to this earth to die on a rugged cross so that we can have life and have it more abundantly. Dear Lord, we recognize from your word that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And we are so grateful that you would suffer and bleed and give your life so that we can have life eternal. I pray tonight, dear Lord, as your word goes forth, that you would speak to each and every heart and that for each and every person who names the name of Christ, who has been washed and cleansed, born again, that each one would seek to live for you, holy lives, and recognizing the sacrifice that you made to save us from sin. And I pray tonight, if there's someone who does not know you as personal Lord and Savior, that tonight will be the night of their salvation. Recognize that this gift that you've given to us, it's available to each and every person, but in order for it to be applied to our account, each and every person must individually receive it. And I pray that decisions would be made tonight in accordance with your will. Give me the words you love me to say. May they be a source of strength, encouragement, and challenge as we seek to continue to do the work that you've called us to do. Take full control of your divine way, and we'll give you the honor and glory that's to your holy name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. Online purchasing with the ability to utilize electronic forms of payment has become an extremely common mode of shopping these days. It's very common to go to Amazon and different online sites to shop. This has led to different approaches by sellers to get buyers to spend more. For example, you may have, if you are online much, or you do online shopping, you may have at some point received an offer for a product or service that you are told is free for 30 days. Or sometimes you get an additional incentive, you're trying to buy an item and you are told, we're willing to give you 50% off if you would sign up for another product or another service that's free for 30 days. And if you sign up, 
We want you to know you have nothing to worry about. Because if you don't like this service, you can cancel at any time within the 30 days. However, somewhere in the fine print, if you don't read very carefully, is the fact that when you sign up, your credit card will be charged a monthly fee for at least maybe a year or longer. But because you so badly want that 50% discount, you sign up. And then they are hoping that you forget all about it, which many times you will. And then your card is charged. You call them back and you say, my card has been charged. And they tell you, well, you can't get an instant refund. Maybe you can get a refund. But they take the time to tell you all of the benefits of the product or the service that you never use. And since you paid already, you are charged on tail up until a particular date. So you might as well not cancel now, but use the service until the date that it's already been paid for. And the whole strategy is to incentivize you about this product, these benefits. And these approaches to get you to spend what you never intended to spend in the first place relies on you as a buyer having what I call a short-sighted approach when making a long-term impactful decision. You never intended to buy or to spend on a product for several months, but because you wanted a quick discount, you got trapped. Let me say tonight, unashamedly and unreservedly, that living the Christian life is the best life that can ever be lived. Amen? You can't beat serving God. You can't get better than serving the one who has given life to us. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 15 says, Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. Listen, the devil has, has, has tricked uh, people and fooled uh, humanity into thinking that, listen, living for God is so hard and living for the devil is easy. At times it may appear that way. But listen, the Bible says the way of transgressors is hard hard. He doesn't tell you the full story. And Jesus came to this earth to give us life and to give us life more what? Abundantly. God wants us to have abundant life, fulfilling life, a satisfied life. So Jesus came to this earth and ministered for three and a half years and interacted with people of all walks of life. But one of the things that you'll notice as you observe his ministry throughout the Gospels is that as much as Jesus met needs, he met people's physical needs, he of course met their spiritual needs. One of the things that Jesus did not do, he never tricked people into following him. He didn't trick people into 
ministry. And I began this series entitled, uh, A Ministry to Pattern. God laid this on my heart and been thinking about this for some time because we're involved in ministry. God left us here to continue the work that he started. To evangelize sinners and to edify saints and to see the kingdom of God built one person, one heart at a time. And if we're not careful, we can engage in ministry practices that are completely different than what Jesus engaged in in an attempt to see growth. It is natural to be in a ministry to want to see growth, to want to see numerical growth, to want to see spiritual growth, of course, to want to see financial growth. Listen, growth is a natural result of a living being. The church ought to be alive. And as such, it ought to grow. But we want to see growth in every aspect. Why? Because it gives validation to what we are doing. But one of the practices that in in ministering to people that we must avoid is incentivizing Christianity such that people have a false impression of the Christian life and find ourselves, as it were, tricking people into making decisions that are not genuine. You see, my friends, large numbers that represent insincere decisions will always eventually be exposed. Jesus, of course, was perfect in every way. And he was sincere and honest as he communicated to would-be or want-to-be followers about not only the blessings of ministry, but the burdens of ministry. And tonight I want to preach a message as we continue observing Jesus' ministry here on earth and with a goal of patterning what he did. Message entitled, Don't Trick People into following Jesus. Don't trick people into following Jesus. And as we observe this text in Matthew's Gospel chapter 8, I want to uh, help us to see four principles found in these few verses very quickly. And I trust that these will help us as we seek to reach people and evangelize the lost to understand the importance of doing it God's way. The first thing I want you to observe in verse number 18 is that Jesus, and so should we, avoided being distracted by the crowds. Avoid being distracted by crowds. Look at verse number 18. The Bible says, Now when Jesus saw what great multitudes about him. He gave commandment to depart unto the other side. Now imagine, Jesus saw this large crowd. And the Bible says, he departed to the other side. Now you would think that the crowd would cause him to remain. But he did the unexpected. He left the crowd and went 
to the other side. Now, Jesus was accustomed to crowds. He was accustomed to people following him. After all, he was feeding people. Now, you begin to feed people, I guarantee you, you will gather a crowd. Amen? He was accustomed to crowds. He was feeding people. But he was also healing people. Listen, you want to see a crowd? You give the assurance. You give the guarantee that you come and you follow. You're going to be healed of all of your physical ailments. You will acquire a crowd. Years ago, I remember as a child like yesterday, that a self-proclaimed, and I call him self-proclaimed, faith healer came to Nevis. And the complex was packed. Now I'm telling you that not because I was there, but I know it was packed. And I listened on the radio with amusement with everyone waiting eagerly for the faith healer to, to heal everybody of all of their ailments. I mean, he looked at the crowd and he said, shockingly, it looked like everybody needs their sick. <laughs> I kid you not. I heard it with my own two ears. I mean, it seems as though people from all over the island came expecting to be healed. Dad, you remember that? And the man prayed a prayer corporately and sent everybody home disappointed. My friend, if we guarantee that you will be healed of every ailment, you will have a crowd. If you focus on entertaining people, you will have a crowd. Jesus was not swayed by crowds. My friend, when it comes to this aspect of ministry, when it comes to ministering to people, we must ensure that crowds don't change our mindset and our attitudes towards the priorities of ministry. Don't let crowds cause us to change the spiritual emphasis of what we do. When a crowd is present at Shiloh Baptist Church, let it not change what we do by way of ministry into a show or some form of entertainment, my friend. We are involved in ministering to the hearts of people. Jesus even knew when it was time to leave the crowd. He knew when it was time to minister elsewhere. Here's one of the things we must recognize about ministry. There will always be people. And so there will always be needs. We as human beings, we're not omnipresent. And so there are times where we will have to make decisions to leave one group of people to minister to another group of people. Jesus knew when to take a rest and to break from the crowd. The crowd did not dictate his agenda. So the first principle here tonight is avoid being distracted 
by the crowd. But notice secondly, in verse number 19, this is very important. Be aware of disingenuous comments. Look at verse number 19. And a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. My friend, when it comes to ministry, understand that not everything you are told is genuine. Not everything you are told is from a heart of sincerity. He came to Jesus, Master, I will follow you everywhere you go. In ministry, there are times where you might get a compliment. You are wonderful. You are awesome. In fact, you are the best ever. By the way, I'm not saying we ought not to compliment one another. Why? Because we are feeling-driven people. You know, sometimes somebody may give you a glowing compliment, and the reality is, that's how they feel at the moment. That's natural. I mean, sometimes we are on top of the mountain, and listen, we're enjoying life. I mean, we're walking on clouds, and we say things that express the expressions, represent the expressions of our hearts. And then sometimes we hit rock bottom and things are rough and we feel beaten down and then we express the sentiments of our hearts. And the sentiments that we express when our hearts are shattered will be very different than those that express when we're on the mountaintop. And so sometimes the same person who might have told you you're wonderful, might just say, you're not so wonderful. Because that's how they feel at the time. My friend, feelings go up and down. And all around. And so here's what we must do when we engage in ministry. Don't get so caught up with what people say by way of criticisms and compliments. Listen, recognize that things change. Feelings change. Receive them both with grace. Don't let them be the source or the, 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 the essence of why you do what you do. Flattery. The Bible speaks about it. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 5. A man that flattereth his neighbor spreadeth a net for his feet. So when you are being flattered, look out for the net. This man came to Jesus, Master, I will follow you whithersoever thou goest. But notice thirdly tonight, when it comes to ministering, when it comes to being genuine, look at what Jesus did. Assure people of difficult circumstances. Amen. 
Look at verse number 20. The same master man who came and said, Master, I will follow you wherever you're going. Jesus said, listen, hold, hold up a minute. Let me, let me enlighten you. Because I understand what you're thinking. The foxes of the ear, the foxes have holes, and the birds of the ear have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. He was saying to this man, listen, I, I can see your thoughts. I know what you're thinking. I mean, you want to follow me because you see a, a massive crowd. You want to see what fame and fortune and popularity looks like. But let me caution you, don't follow me for the wrong reasons. I don't have a place to lay my head. This life is not a life of glitz and glamour. What you're seeing out front is not all that there is to it. There will be times of challenging following the Savior. In serving God, it will test your patience. It will challenge your resolve and it will demand some endurance. Make no mistake about it. This Christian life is not a 100 meter sprint. It is a marathon. By the way, it is still the best life ever. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 29 says, For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Listen, the Christian life is not a bed of roses. But let me tell you something. It sure beats serving the devil. I want to draw your attention to a very important passage that speaks so eloquently to this in 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. Just in case this message scares some people away about the difficult circumstances. Listen, it ought not, it ought to cause you to run to Jesus. Because look at First Peter chapter 3 and verse number 12. Don't let the devil ever fool you into thinking serving him is going to be, you're going to be better off than serving the Savior. It says, for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. My friend, no matter what the devil tells you, the one thing you don't want is the face of the Lord against you. And who is he that will harm you if he be followers of that which is good? But if he, but and if he suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is, with, with, is, is in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your conversation in Christ. For it is better if the will of God be so that he suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. 
So if you're suffering and living the Christian life, the Bible is saying clearly, it's better if you're suffering for doing right than suffering for doing wrong. Jesus says to this man, I got to assure you of difficult circumstances. Don't just look at what you think is the are the blessings and the benefits. But notice finally the fourth thing that Jesus did in this passage. He articulated the demand for commitment. He articulated the demand for commitment. Verse number 21, the Bible says, And another of his disciples said unto him, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said unto him, Follow me and let the dead bury their dead. This man seemingly endeavoring to follow Jesus makes an appeal to leave to bury his father in order to allow him to get his share of the inheritance. This might seem like a reasonable and fair proposition except that some commentators believe that it's likely that his father was not even dead yet. And so he was basically saying, listen, I've I got to make sure that I, I, I clear up and ensure that I get my peace before I come to follow you, Jesus. But whether or not the father was actually physically dead or not, his request indicated a desire to deprioritize the work of God for other matters and thus revealing his lack of commitment. So his focus was securely was securing rather his earthly possessions before making a commitment to follow Jesus. Jesus says to him, let the spiritually dead have their, that have their focus on things that are not of the kingdom, let them take care of the dead. Here's what Jesus was ultimately saying to him and he's basically saying to every single follower of himself. If you're going to follow me, I want you to be all in. All in. Commitment. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16 and verse 24, Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man, that means any person, will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. My friend, when it comes to living the Christian life, the Christian life, it demands commitment. This thing of one foot in the world and one foot in the church, it does not please God. It does not honor God. God wants his followers to make up their minds about serving him and serve him with your whole heart. 
It doesn't mean that there are times where you won't fall. But my friend, when it comes to living for God, make up your mind. I'm going with you all the way. God simply takes no pleasure in one foot here and another foot there at the same time. Listen, he condemns it. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 15 and 16. Listen to what God says to the church of Laodicea. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Now do we understand the magnitude of that verse? I mean, God is simply saying to anyone, listen, I prefer you live for the devil and go gung-ho after him. In God's mind, it's better to do that than to be playing both sides. Than to be lukewarm. Than to be apathetic. Than to be neither here nor there. He says, when you're neither here nor there, you make me want to vomit. That's what God is saying. But yet we are living in a world where when it comes to living for Jesus, I mean, people want to just, just hold home through the whole thing and just, 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 as it were, go for the ride. God is saying, when it comes to serving me, listen, make up your mind. Jesus, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to follow you. And I am simply going to be all in. You just got to make up your mind. Listen, when we make up our minds about some things, we can get some things done. But you got to condition and make up your mind about what you're going to do. And my friend, when it comes to that message, that's the message of Jesus. He didn't try to sugarcoat this thing so he could get more followers. He says, if you're going to come after me, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And when it comes to ministry, many are afraid to communicate that message down the line. Why? Oh boy, I'm going to chase off people. Come back next Sunday, nobody's going to be in church. Ministry demands commitment. Listen, this church could have people on every pew. All up in the balcony. But ministry requires commitment. If we're going to please God, if we're going to honor God, let us do it His way. And God will add the fruit and the fruit that will remain.